Hi, everyone. It's Gracie with Self-Care with Gracie, and we're back again to talk about self-care and self-love. I've been doing a series on the podcast this fall around the deeper meaning of self-care, that it's not just the tips and tricks that you read in the magazine and maybe maybe do some of them and they're helpful, but you don't feel like you kind of get to that bigger transformation. And what I've learned doing the self-care support circles that I've been doing for the past three years is that really at the heart of self-care has to come, um, have a place of self-love. And I think that it just, it takes a lot to make that journey happen. It's very simple, but it's also we need to have certain things in place and certain kinds of self-care and support. And I could explain that to you all, but I think it's more effective to, to hear it from the people that have really taught it to me who are my clients. So I have, uh, all my guests are special, but I, I feel like this guest is very special. I have Rebecca with us today. Hi, Rebecca. Hi, Gracie. It's really nice to have you here because we've, we've worked together for a really long time. You were in, I think, the, the first self-care circle after the pilot, so the first kind of full one I did with a retreat. And since then, we just keep kind of working together in different ways, and it's been a real gift to watch your process evolve and see how it's affected you on, on a lot of different levels. So um, thanks for taking the time to share with all of us. I am thrilled to be here, and also you're very special to me, Gracie. I'm, I'm working with you has been instrumental in my growth over these years. Aw, thanks for that. Well, I wanted to start with, uh, to go back in time and, and to ask you what, you what life was like when you first decided to sign up for Self-Care 101, and what made you decide that you needed to put a little extra emphasis on your own self-care? So I'm a professional chef. I've been cooking um, full-time in restaurants. Um, gosh, I started doing that in 2006. And I gradually worked my way up. I started out doing prep and catering, then became a line cook, then became a sous chef, and then I finally worked my way up to executive chef at a um, fun little neighborhood coffee shop that kind of turned into more of a cafe slash restaurant in the evening. And at that point, I knew something was wrong. I knew that I was chronically exhausted. I never felt like I was enough. I was not sleeping well at night because I'd fall asleep fine and then I would wake up with my thoughts racing of everything I needed to do and I, I wasn't happy with my body. There were just it was, it was such a contradiction because part of my life was like awesome. I was hitting the trajectory that I really wanted. I was at a restaurant that I loved. And then at the same time, nothing was right. I didn't feel good. I, I was just having all these problems. And so I, that's when I started saying, okay, there has to be something more. And that's when I started working with self-care. Now, this is actually before I met you, Gracie, um, I had started doing some different searching. Um, I uh, worked with a coach on some basic uh, self-care tips and tricks. That was where I was first introduced to Ayurveda. And they were all just like little, you know, meet for an hour here or there. Or then later on I did some different online programs. And they all helped a little bit, but they weren't giving me the whole package like what I needed. So I could say that, you know, like I was making like tiny incremental ch change, but it just, it wasn't the transformation that I wanted. 
But I also think that it was kind of good that for me that I approached it in that very gradual way because I think that if I had started like a big program, it, it would have been too much for me. I, I, I was in a very, very deep hole. And so I needed to start climbing my way up so that I, frankly, I wouldn't have been overwhelmed by like, oh my goodness, like this is, these are all these different areas where I have been mistreating myself. Um, throughout this, even though I always portray a very, very self-confident attitude, um, inside one of my contradictions is that I also had very bad self-esteem. So I would never tolerate anybody to say anything bad about me. No, I would never let anyone say, no, you can't do that. And I would usually go for it anyway. But inside I had a lot of negative self-talk and like ego and some of it was how I looked, some of it was how I felt. It was just um, kind of like the image you hear about, you know, the, um, the statue has clay feet. You know, at the very top everything looks really great and beautiful, but down at the, the, the base is quite weak and I felt like my base was in danger of crumbling. And... Um, so meanwhile, after I, I did a few of these little baby steps, that was when I met you and was introduced to Self-Care 101. And I kind of felt like this little plant that had been growing, you know, just really struggling. And then all of a sudden I got this dose of fertilizer and I started understanding, okay, this is how I can grow. This is how I can start to make boundaries with me and work, with me and others, um, with how do I talk to myself. I mean, if anyone talked to myself the way I talked to myself, people would say, well, that's an abusive relationship. You should never see that person again. Um, and so I needed to start, start doing those behaviors that helped me grow. And besides all the wonderful things that you teach in your lessons, um, a big part of it is the community, is just, just realizing that there are 19 other women um, seeking to make these kinds of changes that's powerful to know that like we're in this together. I'm not alone. I'm not a freak. I'm not strange. All these other women, different ages, different lifestyles, etc. We're all doing the same thing and we all need to help ourselves and help each other. Um, and so that's how I got started with all of this and it's been pretty, pretty great so far. Oh yeah, I what feels so real and what you talk about is that 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 double image of the one that we present to the world which is really confident and and you know you had accomplished a lot so the world could kind of accept you for that. But then what happens when we like put so much energy into developing our outer image but then aren't putting that energy into doing the inner work of I like to think of it like the root work versus the branches. Yeah. Yeah. And what happens after a while, and I, I know I went through a period of time after I started doing these coaching programs where I realized I had this whole layer of inner work that I was like so resistant to doing. And I was, I felt like the kind of the branches were getting so big and the roots were, were not healthy. And mm -hmm. I was like, this tree is going to mm -hmm. fall over. So what you say feels so right on that like the, the, and I think the tension as we get older, actually as we achieve more becomes harder and harder. And and what I, I experience and what I, what I see you all, my clients experience too, is that when, when it feels like it's, the roots are not good, there's like a, just such a fear of vulnerability because if anyone saw mm. the real us, right, then this whole thing would crumble. But it's, it's vulnerability that actually I think is the way that we do experience a change is when, we're, when we have the courage to be vulnerable in front of other people who are also being vulnerable, that there's something really powerful in that um, can, can you speak a little bit more about your own experience with 
learning to be vulnerable within the course? Definitely. So a big thing I also want to talk about, you know, mention is that we're not taught to develop our roots. We're only taught to be showing our ambitions and our successes and the things that we're really proud of. And we're not really taught to do the inner work because it doesn't show up the same way. And so I think that it's a really conscious choice to step back and say, this is what I need for myself. It's okay to stop trying to grow bigger branches for now. Um, so much of what we do is performing. And for me, it's, this is, it's, just, it's been fascinating and it's been, it's been crazy. I mean, among the many things, so I, I went through the two different programs, the Self-Care 101 and then later on the Continuity Program, and that helped me just realize how many places that I, I just wasn't serving myself and in return I wasn't serving others. And I will say that like in my personal life, I became brave enough to leave the restaurant world now almost two years ago to start pursuing my own freelance work. And it has been very, very challenging but also very rewarding. Like I, I started with this one pop-up cafe concept that frankly just didn't work because I didn't have the skills. I didn't know how to get the skills. A lot of it has been not knowing how to ask for help and been trying to learn to ask for help. Um, and then working on these other different consulting ideas, other restaurant plans. Um, and finally, really what I've been doing right now for you know, the last little bit has just been last six months or so has been a major, major pullback and healing time for me. Right now, I'm not working in any restaurants, and that's been big and scary for me. You know, you always get scared if your skills are not, like, exactly up to date. Who knows what's going to happen? Um, my skills are plenty up to date. Right now, I'm healing. Right now, I'm getting over burnout. Right now, I'm pursuing opening my very own restaurant, which I think is, is going to be a wonderful idea. I'm thinking of ways to do it in a way that will be sustainable so that I'm not in this constant um, work like crazy, burnout, withdraw cycle. I need it to be sustainable. Um, and by withdrawing like that, I've also been able to do a lot more personal work. So when you, do, when you practice good self-care, it also enables you to love yourself because if you don't care for yourself, how do you love yourself? It sounds really, really obvious, but like it, it is like one leads to the next. And I began to realize like how much I wasn't loving myself. I was doing a lot of self-destructive behavior. I wasn't um, taking care of myself. I was taking many relationships in my life for granted. By doing this, pulling away from my work life, by trying to get my work to be less all-encompassing, less sucking all of my energy, um, I've been able to do um, some things that I hadn't realized. I mean, one of the things that's just really vulnerable for me to say, but during this time, I have found the courage to accept that I am a polyamorous person. Um, I no longer consider myself just to be your standard monogamous um, person like, like most people are. And it's wonderful that's what you are and what you need to be. But for me, I, I do have a different set of needs. And it's been huge for me to be able to have the bravery 
and the vulnerability to, 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 to say this, um, to explore this with my husband, my lifetime partner. Um, I never would have had the courage. I wouldn't have had the, just even the bandwidth to go through all the things that he and I have gone through together. And by taking that step to get my own personal life in order in that way, I mean, this is really when I've become so much happier. And I, I feel like I'm living much more openly and with less, less internal contradictions. I, I feel like all of those little tiny things that don't feel right under the skin, they wear you down. It's like, um, you know, like how they say, um, you know, canyons are formed. It's just the little tiny trickling water, little by little over hundreds of years, little by little when you're not living as openly as you want to be, as, as you're hiding discomfort, as you're hiding untruths, it just wears you down. And so by getting this relationship in order and becoming more open and being able to love people the way I need to, it's helped me grow. And now I'm able to start sharing with the next step um, as exploring my own sexuality I've gotten really interested in helping other people, particularly women, but I'm actually also wanting to work more with men, with, ex- with exploring their own sexuality. Um, I have attended some really great workshops, and now I run a monthly discussion group called Women in Court, where literally it's women, we drink some wine, and we talk about sex. And it doesn't necessarily have to be alternative lifestyles. Um, it's talking just people, people want to know that they're normal. People want to have ideas. People want a fresh take. You know, whether it's mismatched libidos, whether it's their bodies recovering post-pregnancy or another health, um, you know, health challenge. Um, so by being able to take care of myself, love myself, open up about how I am, now I'm able to take the next step and try to help other women with healing or even just with not hating. And that's, that's been really, really amazing. It's so cool to have watched your process as like a cheerleader from, from the sidelines. And I, um, I always said that with, with you all like in the groups that like I, I just watch and you all do the work yourself. And just just to see, I remember kind of watching you like just build and build and build your confidence and your um, ability to step out of the restaurant and your ability to start your own thing and your ability to say, no, that actually wasn't right. The first thing you started and redirect. And and when you came out as polyamorous and when, especially when you started leading these workshops, I just, I remember like meeting you in person again and like seeing you and just being like, whoa, like I, your whole like vibe was so different and it, it just felt so free and liberated. So it's, it kind of goes back to what I believe about self-care, that it's not selfish, but it, it can feel really selfish when we've been taught to like focus on everybody else. And like, like you said, living up to all these other standards that aren't necessarily our own and proving ourselves. And, but when we have the courage to step back from it and really be like, this is who I am, even if it's going to alienate some people or make others uncomfortable, like I, ha- I have to be true to myself and how much that there's like, like a, in, like there's service that's built into that. And it's, it's been such a, a beautiful part of this learning about self-care is to see that when we take care of ourselves that it doesn't even in my experience, it doesn't feel like an effort to figure out what we're going to do in the world and how we're going to serve. It's almost like it just kind of comes through us. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
Does that feel true to you in terms of like what you're doing right now feels so aligned with who you are yeah. in terms of leading these groups? Can you talk more about that process? Um, I guess the first thing I want to talk about the process is that so much of the fear is unnecessary. Um, it's a good thing to be ready to make changes. But for example, with me coming out as polyamorous, I, I didn't know what to expect. I was incredibly scared. And most people are just like, oh, that's really interesting. And nowadays it actually makes me the life of the party because everyone wants to ask me about what all I'm doing, which is hilarious. But I don't think I've had anyone look at me or reject me or become fearful that I'm going, you know, that I'm some crazy lady who's going to go after their partner or that I'm a bad moral and ethical person. Um, It's really just been like, oh, that's really interesting. And so I, I really feel like for many of us, many of our deep, dark secrets, they're only deep and dark because we've buried them. They're not nearly as big a deal as we fear. Um, when I work with a group like Women in Court, um, I'm the moderator. And so I'm the leader, but more than anything, I want to help women find their voices. I, the biggest thing with sex is that so many of us are just afraid to communicate. We are so afraid of rejecting someone. We're so afraid of hurting someone's feelings. And we're afraid of being rejected and we're afraid of our own feelings being hurt. And it turns into a kind of um, stasis, uh, paralysis. Like we're afraid to even take the first step. And so that's what I try to do is, is let people, let women find their voices and say, hey, this is a thing that's happening with me or with my partner or in the past, and like let them verbalize it and let people reflect it back to them and me too, or oh, really, that hasn't happened. How, how, how did that work out? This is what I would do. This is how I address this. Um, I think just finding, finding your voice is incredibly important. And then, yeah, sure, I'll, you know, people, if someone, you know, the conversation needs to be directed, like I'm there for that. I'm there to offer suggestions. I've done lots of readings, so even if I haven't experienced something personally, I can usually find a, a similar. But it's, it's about finding people's voices. It's about learning how to ask for help, about learning your normal. And I think we can even just really reflect this right back to all of the self-care uh, 101, is that we're all normal. There's I would guarantee there's nothing that anyone is going through that is so unusual, and, and that's great. Like, we're all challenged. We're all going through the same things together or similar things. Um, and so we can help each other and learn from each other's failures and successes. It, it is about breaking the circuit in our own heads. I, mm-hmm. I, like, it's funny because I, I've watched – every group, there's been 10 groups and just watching everyone go through it. It's like we come to the group thinking we're so different and then we start to listen in and we realize that, wow, I'm struggling with the same things that everyone else is struggling with. And from that place, it's actually like space to learn about our uniqueness, which I think is, is like a different experience than being different from people, if that makes sense, that we learn mm-hmm. what's truly like ours to claim in the world. And for you, it's leading these, these conversations around vulnerability and sex. And it's, but it's, it's like we keep it all inside. And I think that we've been taught this like hyper independence in our culture that like we should be able to figure mm-hmm. this out on our own. 
and and I was like going through it the other night. I just had, I was sick and I was caring for Jonah all day and I had to cancel everything and I was just in this like like a dark space. And Micah came home. I like gave him the baby. I was like, I need to take a bath. So I got upstairs and I I was like, I need to reach out. So I reached out to like a, a group of my um, friends who are moms and just started a group text, being like, Does this get easier? Because I'm feeling really worn down. And um and they're like, Well, why aren't you doing more for yourself? And I was I'm having issues with pumping. So I was like, well, I need to be with him all the time. And all of them were like, give him some formula, girl. Like, you can do it. Like, give him a couple of them, you know. And I was like, this whole thing in my head where I was like, I can't give him formula. But until I said it out loud and had my friends kind of be like, hey, like, we struggle with that, too. And it's totally normal. And you should just give him a few ounces of formula if it means you get to, like, take a night for yourself. And it just totally broke the loop. And I, it, it was like such a great thing of these principles that I hold space for and watch you all do that I was like, oh, I can practice that too in this moment and how, how amazing it is. And it, it just really further enforces the idea that we can't do this alone. Like we need, we need support of some kind of people who want to hold us up and empower us. I, also, I really love what you said about how you had built up in your head like, oh, my God, I can't give him formula. And, you're like, and realizing wow, what a silly thing to think. Like if the child is getting 98% of his nutrition from breast milk, a little bit of formula is not going to do any harm. And I feel like that is often the same with us um, as we're learning self-care, that there are so many different things that we can do. Like, you know, if your child, child goes with babysitters sometimes, there's no harm. If, you know, if I don't make every single food from scratch, it doesn't mean that I'm a terrible chef. Um, I don't know. I mean, like, sexually, like, if you, if you buy lube, it does not mean that you're not turned on. I mean, I have to tell women and men that so many times. Um, different kind of assists are there to assist, and friends and, you know, companions are there to, are there to be part of that conversation. It's a lot of self-care is, like, taking care of yourself, but also learning how to reach out for help, whether it's advice or, or like, a, a task. And that's something I still struggle with a whole lot, but I think I'm getting better. At least now I know I now I know that it's okay that I'm not a failure for reaching out. Yeah, and it's almost like seeing someone else do it in the community. It's a big part of, of what we do during mm. the self care, and then afterwards in the alumni forum, of just when I see someone be like, I'm kind of at my edge right now, and I just. I need some support. I look at it like yeah. that is the strongest thing. And I, I think of it as being so strong and that kind of vulnerability is, is a real strength in my eyes. And so, but it, it is funny when I'm in that space that I can still convince myself that it, it, it's weakness in some way until I actually practice it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so you, you've been focusing on self care for a good three years now. And yeah. how do you, how have you come to see self-care now as opposed to when you first started doing your explorations around self-care? Well, the biggest thing is making it natural and so that everything isn't a big deal. Um, just certain things, like, for example, I have a rock-solid morning routine, and it is not optional. And my morning routine is more elaborate than some people's because I have uh, free time in the morning, but it's not optional. This is how I live. And some of it is, you know, mechanical, so to speak. You know, I'm going to use salt water in my nose every single morning. Some of it is mental. If I go up to my meditation nook, I do my 10-minute meditation, I draw a few tarot cards, I plan my day. Um, and that's how I start my day no matter what. 
So it's part of my flow, and it's not optional. And that's really, really important to me. And, like, my husband would not dream of suggesting otherwise. Like, this is, like, you know, he would sooner suggest I, like, stop breathing oxygen. You know, like, this is part of my day. So I think that's one of the really important things about self-care is, is after you practice, and it is a practice. It's like playing the piano. The first time you played that piece on the piano, it was awkward as heck. After you played it a thousand times, it's totally natural. Is learning that self-care can become natural, and it is so important and so beautiful. Um, and then it also helps you become, I, I become more aware when I'm missing out on self-care, when I am taking shortcuts. Um, I've also... I feel like once you kind of get like you know that basic like okay this is my this is my my bare minimum, I can also start to tune in for when I need extra. Um, I've been paying a lot more attention to my menstrual cycles, and so I know that the time leading up to ovulation, I have a lot of energy and I can be go go go. And so I also do check in with myself: Am I running myself a little too ragged? Am I going to too many events? Do I just need to chill out this evening? Um, and then also being aware if I'm getting closer to my period, like I'll put that on my calendar. Period is going to start soon. I need to relax. So learning my rhythms, learning to respect my rhythms instead of fighting with them and thinking, no, I need to be a robot. I need to be, have this much energy 365 days a year. Like that's crazy. So respect my body, respect my body's changes. I also have to say it's helped me develop a lot more empathy is, is being aware that some people haven't learned this. And just as you wouldn't look down on, you know, let's say, you know, you're an advanced practitioner in your field, would you look down on a beginner? No, they're a student. They're learning. They need a hand up. You know, you give them a hand. So I try to be more patient when I'm working with people and I know like, you know, she's not there yet. Let me give her some encouragement, but she's not there yet. Um, like not condescending, but, but trying to be helpful, trying to be patient, try, trying to be understanding so that you're helping, you're giving them a hand up, not a, you know, not a kick in the face. Absolutely. Yeah, what, what comes to mind for me is just meeting people where they're at. Being yes. able to be like, well this is, like in the beginning when you were taking all those little steps to build an awareness of self-care, it was, those steps were really important. And I, and I look at, you know, that's why I think it's always so important to become a beginner at something always in your life to like learn something because it's just that beginner's mind is so powerful and it's so vulnerable and it's so like, um, it does build a lot of compassion for what it's like just to, to build something in that way. A lot of times I always think of the word sophomore, you know, like, you know, you think of like a high school sophomore, and I believe, I think it's, I don't know if it's Latin or what, Greek, but it means wise fool, and I always think that a lot of times I'm in that wise fool stage where I've, I feel like I just discovered this thing, and I'm so excited, and I want to do it, and I want to tell everyone about it, even though half the time I'm like doing it wrong, and it's not all that great. And I've seen myself go through this wise school stage so many times, and it's actually beautiful. Now I know when I'm in it, so I try to, like, temper my annoying enthusiasm. But, like, when I started making stained glass, I was like that. When I started doing belly dance, I was like that. When I started cooking professionally, I was like that. Right now I just took a really great tarot course. Shout out to Michelle May Orr, who I'm sure has also been or at least mentioned on your show. Um, and I'm realizing, like, I have this enthusiasm, and it's so wonderful, and... Um, how can I 
how can I keep from burning out? How can I learn? How can I take it to the next level of wisdom? Um, yeah, and I feel like that's what a lot of people feel like when they first start with self-care, but like how can you just keep it going, keep it growing, don't burn out, to take it deeper, make it part of your life rather than like, oh, yeah, remember when I did that for like three months? Huh, wonder why I stopped. You know, how can you, how can you keep it sustainable? Well, it's such a big part of the course that, and, you know, the philosophy that I find so helpful in self-care is the Kaizen, which is the idea of small change, but that someone, I was actually leading a workshop the other day, and I I said Kaizen, and someone was like, well, actually, because I was like, it means, like, small, good change, and they're like, it also means continuous change, and that's, Mm, like, a big part of the philosophy is that you're never done, and you're never, you're never truly a master, so you're just, but you get excited about always changing, and that, for me, is, like, having those bad days of being sick and not like kind of losing myself. And then when I, the next day after I went through all that and reached out and did all this like really intentional self-care, I felt amazing. And I was like, oh, I needed to, I needed to lose it so I could refine it again because that there's a power in, in kind of becoming the fool again. I actually love that about the tarot is that, you yeah. know, just that the cycles of like you kind of build something and then it all falls apart. And then you build something and it all falls apart in the way that the deck is arranged. And that feels, that cyclical nature feels so true to me about any learning process. The accepting of change and the accepting of learning and of growth is also important. Like, I mean, you and I in some of our groups have talked about the heroine's journey, which is a spiral rather than the more the hero's more masculine journey, which is point A to point B, is you're never done. You know, you're going to revisit this stage over and over and over again, but it's always slightly different. You know, maybe you've grown, maybe you've fallen back, but that over and over again, you're always learning, you're never done, and accepting that never being done is beautiful. I mean, to be done is to be dead, Um, and that we're always learning, we're always changing, we're always backtracking, we're always taking leaps forward, and it's um, accepting it as being beautiful rather than, oh, God, why haven't I figured this out yet? Um, but there, there's always there's always an evolution, and that's what's awesome about being human. Wow! Thank you, Rebecca, for sharing <laughs> your story and your your passion. I'm really stuck by that in our <laughs> conversation. Is just how much passion you have for your life, and it's, it's really beautiful to witness. And um, I I appreciate you you being so honest with us. You're very welcome. Um, Let's see, a couple things that I did want to say before we close is if anyone is interested in, in the D.C. area or just in general in the Women Uncorked program, um, if you go on Facebook, we have a, a closed Facebook group called Women Uncorked D.C. And if you, re, you know, request to be um, a member, we'll add you, and you can see our different meetings. And also just if you want to learn a little bit more about this kind of sex positivity, um, and also, if anyone would like to email me directly about this sort of thing, just or anything you've heard, um, the email account I like to use for this is ontap.uncorked at gmail.com. That's ontap, like a beer, O-N-T-A-P, dot uncorked at gmail.com. So please feel free to reach out if you have any interest there in any of this. And take care. Yes. Oh, well, I was just going to add my endorsement, which is do it, because I was just part of one of these conversations that Rebecca hosted a, a couple of weeks ago, and it was really powerful to be in that conversation, and she's really masterful at leading it, so take advantage of that. 
And um, for everyone who's listening out there, I, I really, you know, I hope that you got something in this that you needed. And just if, if you get anything, I think just the from Rebecca, the, what I'm so struck by is just to really be true to yourself and whatever work it takes for you to get there, it's work that's worth it. And, um, and even if it's just small steps, just being patient with those small steps. And if you do feel like you're ready for a bigger step, then the next round of Self-Care 101, I am starting to enroll ladies. I have a really nice group of women who's already enrolled, and it's going to be a great round of it. It starts January 7th. It goes through March. And we do, it's mostly online, but we have a few in-person things that we do, including a retreat outside of Washington, D.C. It's a really powerful experience. And you can find information about that on my website, selfcarewithgracie.com. Just scroll down to the events website or look on the blog and you will, you'll see information. You can fill out an application and we'll schedule a time to chat about it. So I look forward to connecting with some of you over that. All right. Well, thank you so much, Rebecca. Thank you everyone for listening and I'll be back with more. Bye-bye. Hi, this is Gracie with Beautiful Life Self-Care. Thanks so much for listening to the show. I hope you learned something new. If you want to connect more, then visit me at selfcarewithgracie.com. There you can sign up for my weekly newsletter where on Wednesday afternoons, I'll send you more self-care practices, more inspiration, and more opportunity to connect to a community of people who really care about really good self-care. Also write me if you have any other questions or if you have ideas for future shows. My email address is selfcarewithgracie at gmail.com. Thanks a lot. And remember, keep putting yourself first and everything else will fall into place. Mm -hmm.